0: Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Aki. That's me. Welcome, welcome to She's All Over the Place. I am so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I have a really exciting guest on for you today. And it's so wild. You know, I was going back and forth. Did I want her in season four? Should I have her in season five and women empowerment and how things have shape shifted in such a way? And I was like going over her materials again and who she is. And I wanted to honor her. Chloe Afari in the best way possible. And you know, through brainstorming and through how nature takes its course and, and meditative, it, it just happens that um, I'm honoring Chloe in Hollywood and NFTs. And Chloe's amazing. Um, we're going to get into it deep with you here. She was born and raised in Los Angeles and Chloe grew up enamored by the Hollywood business. And then I'm like, yes, season five for sure. And she did whatever it took. And I know what that's like. I'm a go getter to get her foot through that very narrow door. And I feel so, it's so apropos. I know exactly what this sentence means from when I first read it when we first met back in March and then and then seeing it all over again now. So after beginning her career um, in the mailroom at CAA, its creative artist agency, Chloe's first role above the basement level of the agency was in the motion picture, film and finance and sales department. And I don't know about you, but I think those departments are so cool. And I've learned so much in my two decades in my career thus far. So I'm like, ooh, I have questions. And then there she learned the foundation, which is every about putting together film, working with independent financers and producers. Okay, and then she transitioned and was able to fulfill her passion by working closely with the industry's biggest stars. And then she pivoted and she was working at Tom Ford's new LA-based studio. Tom Ford, the fashion designer and film director. Oh my God, film director Tom Ford's new LA-based studio. I mean, I'm just like blown. This This is so amazing. Okay, so right now, Chloe is working working out bright. It's a platform for live interactive learning sessions with icons and experts. I think that is so cool. Okay, so we're just gonna deep dive in right now and get Chloe on the show. Chloe, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just like blown away by you. And I know everyone's gonna gain a lot of um, impactful information um, with the topics we're going to talk about, which is taking the windy path and getting where you want to go and trusting the process and the journey. I just think that's so beautiful. Perseverance and always finding another way to get in. I mean, Yo, that's like so deep. And, and we're going to get into some more, but where are you from? Where are your parents from? So
1: I am born and raised in Los Angeles. I went to college on the East Coast. I went to BU, which was a great experience as I knew nothing about anywhere else other than LA. For most of my life, my parents were actually born in Iran, as was my oldest brother. And they moved to LA in the late 70s. So I am a true LA girl but I also definitely have the Persian blood in me as well. So Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. and let's talk about that Persian blood and um, shape shifting in the society of now of like jumping in as a little girl and being so excited about, you know, the glitz and the glam and the industry and then getting in and taking steps, you know, as a spearhead leader, you know, as a young woman having this fantasy and this ambition and this drive and you know, the choices that you made uh, leading you into fulfilling your dreams were some challenges for you earlier on? I think the first thing was just this sense of
1: knowing that I belonged in an industry that was incredibly foreign to me and also was not something that I grew up around. You know, my parents were not big time producers or directors or actors, and that world didn't mean anything to them. That wasn't that special or that cool or that important to be able to say, oh, I'm an agent at CIA or, you know, I'm a producer. It was all this Hollywood business to them never really meant what it meant to me. And so that was always just interesting, having this desire to be a part of a world that I couldn't really understand why, but I just knew I had to be part of it. And so they didn't get that. And when I graduated from BU and I was desperate to go get into the mailroom at one of the agencies, they were like, we don't understand. Why do you not want to go to medical school? Why do you not want to become a lawyer? Why do you not want to go do something that will make you some money? How about one of those types of jobs? And I couldn't really explain what it was. I was like, no, I need to be in this industry, in this business, and I'm going to work my way up. And, you know, so that was definitely a challenge was trying to explain myself and try to explain what it was that was so intriguing about this world to me. Yeah. And then it is a world that's also incredibly difficult to get into. And again, I didn't have those necessarily relationships or connections at the time. And so it was really, who can I call? Who knows this person? Who knows that person? Who will call this person and do me a favor and do my cousin's brother's sister's friend a favor to get me into this interview? And somehow I figured it out and I did a lot of interviews that did not go well and I did not get a lot of the jobs that I wanted. And then one day I got a phone call from CAA saying, we actually would love to bring you in for an interview in the mailroom to join the mailroom, which was like the holy grail. And I was like, oh my God for sure I'm coming and I'm doing it. And at that time I had already accepted a PR job in New York City because I was like, okay, no one's hiring me in Hollywood. I just can't, I'm not gonna make it. And so I had this other job and I walked into that interview and within five seconds of being in that mail room and feeling the energy of the agents walking around on their phones, the assistants, the hustle and the bustle, that vibe, I was like, this is it, I need to get this job. Luckily, the person who interviewed me agreed and offered me a job and said I could start the next week. And so I did. It was the best. I woke oh. up every morning, I put on my little collared shirt and my skirt suit and my kitten heels, which are horrific. And the, the sight of that makes me ill if I think about them. <laughs> but we were running around. So I needed my comfortable little Cole Haan kitten heels that at the time I thought were the best thing ever. And I went to work and I I wanted to meet everyone. I wanted to talk to everyone. I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted to, to just know everything that was going on and just explore and absorb as much as I could. And so that was when, and that's actually what that program is really, really, really well designed to do. Because as, you know, a clerk in the mailroom, you're walking around the entire building all day, you're making friends with assistants, you're listening in on conversations, you're taking a peek at the mail, not opening any of the mail, but you know, you're kind of figuring things out as this little spy that no one really is looking at. And so it's kind of like the matrix. (laughs) Kind of totally. So yeah. And that was when I decided that the film finance and sales group, which I knew nothing about, seemed really cool and interesting and it felt different and the group was small and all the agents in the group were felt kind of edgy and they had their own thing and they kind of felt like the cool kids club and i was like that's this is i have to be in this department and they were i know what kind of girl you are in school now (laughs) i (laughs) know not the edgy cool one by the way yeah right yeah right wait wait till i see you
0: (laughs) just kidding Just kidding. Um, yeah, very cool. I, how cute. I love that. What a great story. And you know, I we just jumped right in like I did because I was just like, let's go. Yo, hop over to the YouTube because you can see Chloe's gorgeous smile right now, how like how flossing she is. So head over to the YouTube, watch the video if you want to. And, and then so the person listening um, and tuning in, you know, watching or listening, it's really important to have that baseline of that foundation. And in Hollywood, it's like an inside joke or when you get there, you soon realize like the mail room the mail room the mail room and it's like it's you know it's like why would you leave a you know uh or be educated or whatever and then go to a mail room and then get how much money in the monies right but the thing is it's like having that base and that foundation and just showing up to be a sponge to learn like do your own research and by you're just observing like as a human being and you know I'm an actor so as an actor you know you're either blah 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 talking talking or you're listening or or, or you're observing like a lot of actors take time off just to like observe other people. I love going to New York City to observe. So like when you have an opportune uh, appointment, to, you know what I mean to show up to it's like to listen to learn to run around. I mean, I don't know if that uh, steps back then. But can you imagine if they had like those Fitbits or Apple watches for steps? You know, while you
1: that would have been amazing to see that would have been an
0: easy 20,000 steps a day for sure. I'm wondering Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's that's healthy. That's super healthy. <laughs> And you're getting paid for your steps. So I mean, you're like, yeah, very cool. Very cool. So yeah, so starting all the baseline and then you, um, you, you pivoted uh, with, you know, the cool people in the in the finance. So I think it's really interesting, you know, the finance department and why did you find it interesting? And uh, what are the benefits of people being in the department that you were a part of? So
1: that group was very different because I think what I came into the agency thinking was a traditional talent agent or- was what you see in Entourage. It's the Ari Gold. You're working with actors and actresses. And so that's what I actually wanted to go do was go represent movie stars. I think a part of me growing up always wanted to be a little bit of a movie star. And, and then the practical side of me thought, you know, maybe you'll have better luck working with them rather than starring in films, which was not exactly my calling. You know, I went there thinking that was just the way. And then this group did something very different. They worked with independent Film financiers and production companies to put together films outside of the studio system. So, a lot of the smaller prestige films that just were super important stories to tell and were not as much about commercial success and more about really making art. And they were very, very integral in putting those films together from attaching producers and executive producers onto projects and getting them packaged. So, That was very interesting
0: to me. I think it would be very interesting for actors to understand the formula of packaging, right? That's super educational. Is there somewhere they can go to to find out how that's done to be educated in that way? Because I know things are more open in books now or an author or a book or educational tools online. Do you know these things or if like an actor wanted to get educated about these things?
1: You know, off the top of my head, I'm not exactly sure. I think a big part of it is just reading the trades, Deadline, indie wire, or reading all these articles, staying on top of what's being made, how things are being made. I think that's always the best way to stay on top of information and learn. That being said, this may be a good session for us to host on Bright and I will go work on it. <laughs> so thank
0: Yo, you. Yo, what's up? Oh my goodness. We have to go get an
1: indie producer and bring them on to Bright to do a session on this. So great idea, Katie. Thank you.
0: Wow. I mean, visual thinker, that's how we do it. I mean, that's how. How it happens in the moment this energy is just like totally here we go yay I love that oh my god adding value being an inspiration that's number one that's number one so awesome thank you for that for me personally um you know when I went to Hollywood like I didn't know anybody okay and like I would go out and like literally just like be a social butterfly I didn't smoke cigarettes I didn't drink alcohol I didn't do drugs thank goodness you know like none of that I would just go out and so like I would like see going out and I would be talking and I would see how like tense everyone was and then they loosened up after some drinks and then I'd everyone's like, full on, like whatever. And I'm just like, totally sober. And I'm just like collecting, I would literally collect at the time when we did business cards, like 50 business cards. And then I would go home, and I would put IMDB. (laughs) And I would see like, dud, 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 because you can see what they're doing. If you have IMDB Pro. And if you don't have it, you can do a like a 30 day trial. I'm not an affiliate, but it's an educational resource tool. So I think in that form of way, if IMDB is actually up to date or not, right, because not always, but to get a maybe generalized idea of like, who's attached to projects and who are the producers and writers, like IMDB is a great tool to learn that kind of stuff as well. So I love nerding out and going in there and seeing like, who's doing what, you know, and like emailing, you know, contacting people, you know, obviously being professional, but like you said, perseverance, and like, you got to do what you got to do. So let's talk about some like just doing it and some hacks, not letting like a boulder stop you. Like, what are some of the choices you made as an individual that helped you persevere and keep growing and going on the journey? Yeah, I think that,
1: you know, Especially being in that environment, being at an agency, you learn very, very quickly that no one's ever going to tell you if you're doing a good job. They're just going to tell you if you're doing a bad job because it's all about efficiency. So many people want to be there that unless you, you know, really, really, really want it, you just don't have the stamina to push past the difficulties. And there are a lot of difficulties. We were there sitting at our desks until 2am some nights and then would go home, I remember I would pass out on my bed, wake up at six or 7 a.m. and go back to work in the same trousers that I was wearing the night before and just put on a fresh shirt and was at my desk at 8 a.m. with my coffee. And so- And they knew it, they knew it. They knew it and not only only did they know it, but they're like, yeah, this is what it takes. Right. And I think that knowing that so many others had to do the same thing to get to where they were made it exciting and made it feel like, wow, I'm so lucky to get to be here to have this opportunity to work my ass off and just show how good I can be. So that's how I literally always felt about being there. I remember going home and I would call my mom and I would cry and I would say my boss yelled at me and today was this. And I, you know, I left off as a zero on the address. And then the talent who was oh. here from China for six hours went to me street downtown instead of main street in Santa Monica and I'm going to get fired and now they're not going to sign with us and and it was just a catastrophe everything was a catastrophe and the 10 that ruined my life my life was ending and I <laughs> was have to go find a new job and maybe I should go to <laughs> medical school now because I'm never going to make it and
0: oh so so you're springing to you go tell your mom and your mom's the mere reflection like I told you you should have gone to medical school oh exactly exactly oh my gosh She was
1: like, well, you know, you can always quit. I don't know why you're subjecting yourself to this. Like, yeah. And I was
0: like, you don't get it. You just don't get it. This is what I need to be doing. Like, you just don't get it. And so. Yeah. Oh, man. I know how that is. So then that's very smart because you're going to your mom. You want to share with your mom. You're doing your passion, but you're tired and you're wanting to lean in for love and compassion. But instead of her leaning in and giving you the love and compassion that you want, because she wants the best for you, because she's so like, oh, you know, you're, you're her daughter. Then she's like getting your cortisol running even more and you're having to defend yourself and you're just like and we don't know when we're that young we're like yo energetically like I want to go tell my mom but energetically I need to like take the energy and talk to my coworkers about it because they're gonna get it they're gonna pat me and give me the validation and the sympathy or my massage therapist one or the other so you could not have nailed that better that was the that
1: was four years of my life while I was in that in that role for sure. Yeah, Just want to go to your mom to have her tell you everything's going to be okay. And she's just like, or you can just quit and still go do something that makes money. And they don't yell at you. And it's not, everything's not so catastrophic. I mean, in the case of a doctor, there are other things at stake, but you know, that's exactly what it was. And so... There were some really tough times, but I just knew I was super resolute in knowing that I really, really wanted this until four years in when I decided that I did not want it anymore
0: and left. Wow. Ran yourself to the ground. You're like, okay. And you have to do that. We get to do it. It's an opportunity. Some people don't. You did. That's so cool. And it's our personal choice if we do or not. I love that. Love that. I personally ran cross country, right? So did you do sports growing up or no? So I did do sports. I did all the sports. I was never
1: great at any of the sports, but I did all of them.
0: Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, because like when you have this sports mentality, you have to have it. Like the mentality of Hollywood, of any profession, of any, anything, like the the game of life is, you know, like a. I feel it's like a sports game, right? And it's like the short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. And you just like made your choices and did what you had to do. And then, you know, you really went for it. But that laid foundation for you to maybe not have that, egoic thing or the thought that you think you or what you thought you knew, but it led you to something grander, more, greater, more than you even knew for yourself. But absolutely, you've been able to go through this journey so far and blossom because you're being integrous with your choices and your passion and your faith and your ambition of who you are and what you want, and surrounding yourself, you know, in such a way, and then being open and then pivoting to the unknown. And so let's talk about you know, the unknown and uh, where you are now, you dabbled in, you pivoted into the tech and buzzy. And so now you're at Bright. So let's talk about Bright and what you do there. And uh, oh, wait, oh my God, wait, no, before we even go there, actually, we have to hold the phone, hold the phone. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are some really juicy, exciting um, projects that you can share that you worked on that you're like really proud of or like some in in the film stuff? I think
1: that... One of the
0: most exciting
1: things, which actually connects to where I left CAA to go, was when my boss was working on Tom Ford's second film project, Nocturnal Animals. I think what was super interesting was that I read this script and everyone was freaking out over this script. Like, oh my God, this is. I'm gonna be amazing, and this is gonna be just the most incredible project. And it's Tom Ford, who obviously is just you know an icon. Tom Ford. And it's Tom Ford. Yeah, it's Tom Ford. And I read this script, and I had like a little bit of a meltdown after I read it because I thought oh my God, do I not get this? Do I not have good taste? Why can't I see it? Am I going to be terrible at this job? Like, if I read this script, I don't know if I would have, you know, if I didn't know if it was Tom Ford, would I have thought it was, you know, what it is? And I remember walking into the theater after I had been hearing about this project for the entire time that the agency was working on this project and being so incredibly blown away by the film and the, aesthetic and the story and the direction and the acting and like every single thing about this film to me was perfect. I just remember leaving with this. It's also an incredibly intense film. And I just remember walking out of the theater with this overwhelming feeling of like, this is why I am obsessed with this business because this movie was so impactful and I just, the roller coaster of emotions that I experienced while watching this film and feeling just like enveloped by this world that this director created was magical to me. And I realized wow, like this is the power of a good director. This is a power of a script. This is a power of actors. This is the power of all the different little factors that come together to make a movie what, what it is. I just thought it was incredibly beautiful and meaningful and special. And I think he really like took the words from the page and and created a world out of it. And so that was when I developed this kind of obsession for Tom Ford as a director. Mm. And, uh, and so you got to meet him and see him and stuff, right? Well, so I did not ever meet him or see him <gasps> while I was at CAA. Oh, then Towards the end of my time at the agency, I found out about this job opportunity to go actually work as Tom's studio manager Mr. Ford moved his entire women's design team from London to LA. So I applied for this job. I believe it was my third interview that I got the chance to meet him. And I was incredibly starstruck. I just remember feeling like I was in the presence of the biggest star on the planet, which is funny because where I sat at the agency, one of the partners was down the hall. And so the biggest people would walk by my desk every single day. And it became so normal. And we were jaded. And so it wasn't even that big of a deal. And then I'm Wait. like sitting across from Tom Ford and I'm like, uh. his shirt is so perfectly crisp. And his jeans and the boots and his face is just so symmetrical. And the sound of his voice is just so lovely. And it just was, uh. it was just Crazy. So I ended up getting that job and working with them for two years, which was amazing. And I, that's what I left CA to go pursue. And it was awesome. I learned a completely different type of work and different type of
0: business. And how many steps do you think you were getting in at that job per day? <laughs> just wondering. That
1: job honestly could have been just as many steps. Really? Okay. Just as many. Wow. There was everything from, literally breaking down boxes in the parking lot to, you know, Tom Ford boxes. (laughs) Some were Tom Ford chic boxes. Some were just (laughs) brown shipping boxes. Some were trunks that we had to order from a special place to transport the looks for fashion week. It was just wild. So did you go to fashion week? So I actually one year was the problem was I had to stay behind because if anything ever went wrong or anything, they needed anything. Someone had to be back in LA at the studio to be able to go send them anything at a moment's notice or just be there kind of manning the ship. And so one year there was a... think it was a coat that was in, par- in the show
0: mm. that
1: was missing. And they were positive that it was left at the studio. So I got a call and they were like, we need you to go get this coat. We will buy you a plane ticket. You need to hand deliver this coat to us. We're not, you, you cannot ship it. Do not give it to DHL. Do, do not give it to World Net. Like you need to get on a plane and del- hand deliver this coat the day before the show. Boss, boss. I'm like... I gotta go find this coat. And it was the most, I was like, I'm gonna be this hero. I'm gonna get off the plane with this coat in my arms and show up and save the day. So I go to the studio and I tear it apart looking for this coat. I had to call and say, I'm telling you, this coat is not here. Like the coat is just not here. I don't know what to tell you. I felt so defeated. I was like, oh, the show is ruined, the coat's missing, I couldn't find it, I couldn't save the day. And finally someone calls back and says, don't worry, don't worry, we found it. It was in one of the box, in one of the trunks here in New York. Oh my
0: gosh. I know. Yo, that's a story. That's like a TV episode right there. That's like a web series or a bit in a podcast. Oh, we just did it. I love that. Oh, my God. That is so cool. I love it. Oh, yeah. Wow. 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 Well, you know what you could no. go ahead? No, that
1: was I that was gonna be my moment. It did not end up being my moment. I was like, Do you want me to just come anyways? Yeah. Is there anything else I can bring for you? Maybe there was a hat left behind? Uh, a chill. <laughs> And they're like, Nope, all good. Have a great weekend. And I was like,
0: great. I'll Watch the show on, you know, Instagram Live. Oh, no. And then in between the energy, you're like, yo, mom, I'm going to New York. You're like, yo, I'm yes. going to. And then you're like, yo, okay. Plans change. Yo, plans change. <laughs> It's like, oh my God. Literally. Literally. Oh my God. I'm like worried about what I'm going to wear. What am I going to show up with the coat in my arms
1: wearing? Like I need winter boots. It's New York. I don't have winter boots. Like yeah. when do I have time to go buy chic boots? I can't show up in like gross boots. I'm saving the day. I got to show up
0: fabulous and chic. And Tom Ford. I thought you were... Sa- I I am such a fantasy person. Are you ready for this? I hope he hears this one day. But yes. I thought they were going to say, oh, Chloe, since you can't come, let us gift you this Tom Ford coat. I thought they were. <laughs> I thought they were- it didn't happen. No, yeah. no, I, I definitely
1: was treated exceptionally well. And I have my souvenirs from that. Job that I treasure to this day, but that was not one of them.
0: Okay, so I love Tom Ford. Oh yeah, in multiple different ways. Um, The lipstick, everything. I haven't been to a Tom Ford show. I've been going to Fashion Week since I was a teenager. Um, I love Fashion Week. And I know you can probably just make it happen on your own, but I think it'd be really fun to focus and set an intention for um, you and or us to go to a Tom Ford fashion show. I think we need to make it happen. Yes. I think it needs to happen. Obviously, life, it's not what it was, you know? It can never be. So it's not like when you were there, how fashion work was and where it was because it's different, but that's okay. We can go, you know, now and enjoy it for how it is now and and partake. I think that would be so much fun. I'm already putting the intention out there. We're going to be going to- We're manifesting. We're going to be going to Tom Ford, in Tom Ford, everything. (laughs) Cool.
1: I will see you there.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Sounds really good. Well, I'm glad you had that amazing experience. Um, I have not met him or seen him in person yet. So I'll probably be on the ground when I do. One day I'll take a photo and let you know. <laughs> um but okay, so shifting in and then you went techie on us. What happened there? How did that happen going to tech? Yeah, so I
1: pivoted again. I think what I was thinking at that time was, you know, I was at CAA, which was a massive, super corporate organization. With Tom Ford, both of these companies were incredibly prestigious and very deeply rooted in process and tradition. And this is the way the business goes. And we've been doing it this way for many years. And this is what works. And so there was this itch inside me to go somewhere that was a little bit younger, that maybe didn't have it all figured out. And try to be a part of that problem solving. That was exciting to me. Let's go figure out how to make a business work or let's go figure out how to get this company off the ground. I wanted to really have a voice and I wanted to have more responsibility and I wanted to just be in that early stage with other people who were just trying to figure things out and just were incredibly motivated and and goal-oriented and driven to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I left to go work at an e-commerce company called a shop, which exists, is doing really well still. And I worked in partnerships with my boss who actually had come from CAA at the time. And that was an unbelievable experience. I saw the way a company is pre-launch. The website had not launched yet. I saw, you know, I interacted with tech people. I interacted with engineers. These were different, you know, species of humans. I was used to agents and, you know, that world. And this was just a completely different world. Yeah. And so
0: communication styles
1: were very different.
0: Oh, wow. Was it more, did you get hip to it quick? I mean obviously because I don't know if I would say quick but I
1: think I realized like day maybe 10 I was like these people maybe just don't like to chit chat as much as me and like oh. these people don't like to you know it was just a different it was a different environment I had come from an agency yeah. where all I did was sit in on phone calls all day long and everything was just talking. about Exactly. And then I all of a sudden was at this tech company and I'm like desperate to just go have some water cooler (laughs) gossip. But the engineers were not interested. And they were like, this shit just Chats and chats, and like, is she ever going to shut up? Like, and I was the only person who was on the phone, and I would pace around the office because I was pitching talent to join the platform and work with us. And so I was just pacing back and forth on the phone all day. And I remember these people would like look at me as if I had, like, as if I was like an alien, and they were like, How are you on the phone all day? Who do you talk to all day? It's just, don't you get tired of all these phone calls? And I'm just chit chatting the day away and just super high energy, and everyone's very focused and heavy down and, you know, into the screen. And so that was an adjustment for sure. Just learning how to shift your energy. You know, I'm high energy. I like to talk. I am loud. I ask a lot of questions and you have to, I think one of the biggest things that I learned over the course of my career is really knowing your audience, whether that's, the talent you're pitching to join the platform, whether that is the engineer who you need to go communicate with in order to push a product feature that you think is important for the site. It's all about knowing your audience, knowing how to, in a sense, either tone yourself down or amp up the energy to be able to connect with the people that you need to work with effectively.
0: So so amping up is not an issue for you. No. (laughs) Psychologically, emotionally... I know my experience because I have high energy and sometimes it's too much for people. So I know my stuff that's gone on, but I want to hear from you. How was it for you psychologically having the discipline one to tone it down and be not emotionally defeated or affected about, you know, I don't want to dim my light or like things of that nature. Like how, how was that? Was that a frustrating challenge back and forth for you for years? The art of communication and figuring that out and not taking it personal. Like, how is it for you?
1: Absolutely. 100%. It was a it was a skill and it is a practice. It is still something today that I have to tell myself, don't take it personally. And what is important is getting the desired outcome that you want out of the situation. What is important is not me getting to be this way or that way in that moment. It's what do I do to get the desired outcome that I need. And if being a little bit softer or being a little bit quieter or speaking less or sometimes speaking more, or being less authoritative versus more authoritative in certain situations is going to get me that desired outcome. Take nothing personally and just do what you need to do to get the result that you want. I can't tell you how many times that I had to sit on a phone call and be, I remember I was on with with a talent agent who was just ripping me a new one on the phone. <gasps> and it is so not in my nature to just like sit there and take it. Ooh. And I had this split second in my head and I was like, okay, I can either come back harder and louder, <gasps> which is my instinct. And I, you're your primal being. That's Exactly. Or. Roar. Exactly. Or. Tenacious, tenacious. Right. And or I can just let this person just, you know, get out all of this stuff, take it like a champ and then get what I need from them once they're feeling good about themselves and feeling big. If that's what they need to feel for me to get the desired result or outcome at the end of this call, then that's fine. Because it's not about me standing up for myself or seeming like the bigger person in the situation. It's about just getting what I need to get out of that person. More often than not, people's reactions, which you have no control over or the way other people handle situations or behave, is not something that is ideal or something that you can control. So, if you could just figure out how to not take it personally and just kind of stick with it until you can get what you need out of the situation, that will help you go far, and that has helped me tremendously in every role that I've had.
0: So, in Dom Miguel Ruiz's book, uh, The Four Agreements, the very first agreement: Do not take anything personal. So, if the person tuning in hasn't listened or on audio or read it, it's a great read. You know, it's like 200 pages. It's a great book. You can read. brush up on. It's a great reminder not to take things personally because if we're acting from our emotions all the time, I don't know, look at the people who are acting. We'll get done. No, look at the people who are acting from their emotions. The actor is cool because they took that energy, that tenacious energy, and they're putting the emotions in the craft. But you are getting the desired outcome and you're taking your big bad attitude and I can prove you wrong and you're utilizing that energy to propel you forward into something that you want that's going to be, you know, advantageous for you. Thank you For the team for them for the whole out hope for the whole outcome in a workplace right and being professional I guess on a personal level uh, we don't have to take that kind of talk or take it like a champ even maybe in a family member setting sometimes we do because we love them but repetitiveness it can be too much and then we have to honor ourselves because you know with how energies are we're resilient beings but we're also very sensitive and it's abuse so we have to know how much we're taking on and what's healthy communication and you know there's, there's that art in different lines of like what we take on, what we do, and where we put our attention our energy. And that comes down to the individual choice of a person and circumstances. Absolutely. And to be clear, I
1: hung up that phone and I called the first friend who would pick up and vented to them about it immediately. And I may have even cried for sure. But that's just, you have to know when and where that that's okay to release that emotion, release that energy. And it's never in that moment, is what I have found.
0: Yeah. And it's so important what you said to like release it and in a trust and knowing where in a trusted, trusted, safe space. Space because, like we said earlier, when we're like, you know, if we're putting the attention out and it's not reciprocated, you know, it's good to get it out, you know, instead of like keeping it in. It's so important because then we heal, we learn, we grow from it, and we literally just like disperse the energy and not hold on to that toxic energy. So it's important to communicate about it. So a lot of people take on isolation and they keep things to themselves and then they self inflict harm. And it's like uh, abusive, right? It's like, it's not okay. So whether your outlet is, you know, venting to, you know, watching Gossip Girl or, in, you know, whatever show or eating ice cream or, you know, going for a run or writing poetry or painting, it's just important to release those emotions because they're pent up and they need to be released, like no matter what. So I think 100%. it's really important because what we're doing is very intense and very focused. We need to be able to release that in a very healthy way. I don't know if it's hugging a tree. What are some things that you... do to keep yourself sane and nurtured and preserve yourself with you know self-care and what are some like uh maybe meditations or apps or you know whatever whatever that comes to your heart and soul we'd love to hear your outlets
1: i love taking walks long walks have always helped me i love journaling i think journaling is incredibly important and i think immediately after i journal i feel that release I also am obsessed with Pinterest. Really? And there is something incredibly therapeutic about going on Pinterest and just spiraling into like a dark hole of interior design photos. That to me is meditative. So I would say taking a walk. I do some breathing exercises that are really helpful. For sure, journaling. I love just turning off my mind and going on Pinterest and pinning <laughs> interiors. <laughs> love and I think writing for me you know beyond just the journaling but writing these scenes I think a lot of times I'm you know I definitely live in this little fantasy in my head sometimes and little (laughs) and see I sometimes watch things in my head and I love to write those down and I love to write little scenes I always every time I have an experience whether it is the worst date I've ever been on, or, you know, that that experience that I just mentioned, I always say it's all material. Every time this happens, I'm like, it's material for my show. It's material for my book. It's all material. Life is just all material for the school
0: It's all exactly. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. You're such an artist. You are such an artist. So when I was 12, I wrote a piece called The Oddball. I felt like I was the oddball out. I felt like I was odd, oddball. So I was the oddball. Surprise. And I'm writing this on my top punk beds with my back and, you know, after school, all frustrated, writing all these things. And while I was there, I was being very reflective. I'm like, you know, this is a poetry piece. It's going to publish one day. My grandkids are going to read it. If nothing happens, it's going to turn into a song. Like, you know, my legacy, people are going to remember me like like it's for something I don't have that poem I don't know where it is unfortunately but <laughs> I remember the story and so yeah it's like it's all it's all for something right we don't know what it is but it's all for something so it's um exactly beautiful yeah beautiful love that so what's up with your show it has three
1: scenes they don't (laughs) they don't flow it's not a cohesive story but there are three scenes so maybe one day i'll puzzle piece it together and we will watch it but for now it's three scenes
0: Great. I love that. And I love like it not being cohesive, you know, like like what if that's the vibe of the story, of like the a new way of storytelling where like people put it together. Instead of you putting it together for them, like let people figure it out on their own. That could be like a new way to like storytell. I love that. No, some brilliant director probably already did it, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably.
0: Yeah. So right now you're working at Bright. Yes. And what do you do at Bright? So I run talent partnerships
1: at Bright Live, which is a platform for live interactive learning sessions with creators, industry experts, icons, celebrities, you name it, we likely have someone in any given category who is hosting live sessions. So the vision was really creating this destination where as a creator, you can go on, create a profile, have all of the tools you need in a very seamless one-stop shop to be able to host these interactive learning sessions. So all the sessions, all the content that's created has this thread of learning. And then as a, you know, consumer, be able to go onto the site, search any topic and be able to find an expert in that space who is hosting live interactive sessions. So anywhere from makeup artists, stylists, meditation and wellness experts to we have a horse, tra- horse whisperer who is unbelievably successful on the platform. Love and relationship experts, you know, career coaches, finance experts. Hopefully you'll come on, teach us about NFTs. We'll bring on an indie producer to, you know, a nickel fellowship winning writer, screenwriter to, you know, you name it, we likely have someone who is teaching it. So the goal was really to be able to connect these people who are professionals in their daily life and have a story to tell and something to teach to people who don't have access to those people. You know, I was really lucky in high school well, I did go to school with some friends whose parents were in the business. And so I craved that knowledge and I wanted to know what it was like. Did you go work in the mail room? How do I get my foot in the door? And I had access to some of those people who I could talk to. And with Bright, it was how do we give those professionals a platform? And how do we give, you know, an avenue for these people to go connect with professionals and ask them those questions? We have this wonderful indie rap executive on the platform who really? did a session on, yeah, amazing wendy day she's awesome uh-huh. did a session on how to get your music noticed in front of executives this is invaluable information and knowledge that she's sharing with these people who you know want to become professional rappers and are making music and want to understand how to get in front of the right people
0: speaking of getting in front of the right people so the importance of relationships right and aligning yourself with the right people so and that you can learn from how are steps that you did that and that you want to share Share with people. For me, throughout my entire career until now, and this is just how
1: I've always looked at life and working and just not even just my professional life, but my personal life is relationships and connecting and aligning yourself with the right people is so incredibly important. I think just surrounding yourself with people who you can learn from, who you respect, and I think also being very open-minded about who those people could be. I think it's not that you just can learn from the richest person or the most successful person or the most famous person in the room. There are random people who I know nothing about who end up teaching me some of the most important lessons. And it's about just staying super, super open-minded and also just listening to people and connecting. Listening is so incredibly important. I think it's important to understand that everyone has something to teach you. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, in my life, life have at times been a little bit of like a know-it-all or like (laughs) I did this I know that for sure and I constantly have had to check myself and be like actually yeah this person who did that job I've never done that job maybe I don't want to do that job but maybe that person can teach me something from you know what they learned doing that.
0: Or maybe I could outsource and they can do it. Or they could be a team member and I don't have to do it. Exactly. I don't want to do it, but it needs to be done. But let them do it. You know, I'm like work. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I think just also every single boss I ever chose to work for, or who I ever wanted to work for, I was very intentional. And I always just thought who you work for, who you can learn from was the most important. Working for, you know, Mr. Ford, for example, having the chance. And I said this, I was like, hire me to sharpen your pencils to, you know, organize the office closets. I Just being in a room and getting to watch someone who I find to be so brilliant just go about their day and their life and their
0: work is really important. You're like, I want to see how they sip their tea and like <laughs> how many bites they take at a time before like drinking. <laughs> it's like, but it's important to observe, like you said, like to listen and observe. It's so important. That's, that's so, so important. Yeah, it's like, you know, you want to be around the, the greatest minds, right? And so when I was a kid, I was reading, you know, Mark Twain and Maya Angelou and, um you know, Socrates and Plato. And the reason why I've, um, like I write about fantasy a, a lot of time and like Dreamland, and it's like Mark Twain, what he taught me about imagination, like allow ourselves to be that imaginative. And when you're in a society and a world that tells you not to dream or be more practical, or, you know, people who have their wings cut off, or people, you know, who are in a survival mode instead of an experiential mode to create and to live our best lives. So, education is so important. Soaking up the knowledge is so important, you know. And then, like, if someone's along their journey and they're like, yo, I soaked up the knowledge, I soaked up the knowledge, then like pivot, like pivot, you know, because absolutely. Yeah. Like I've gone through my journey where I'm just like always soaking it up and I'm like sowing seeds, nurturing my garden. Every three months I do a rake, right. Get rid of those duds. And I don't take it personal. It's like data transactional. Like I don't take it personal. Those are duds. Thank you. Get out of my garden. And I sow new seeds and I keep sowing new seeds and I keep nurturing. And I'm like, Oh, this is blossoming. Like, yo, I want to go to Malibu with this person. Like this is really happening over here. Let's really like nourish those relationships. Cause it makes me feel good. And I liked how you said earlier, like you follow the excitement, like you go for the excitement and you know, like being on the, pulse of the flow and the energy, you know, and just being in tune and in spirit of like that core and essence about who you are, which has led you to iconic moments, which makes you iconic as nature. Like seriously, it's like the choices you've made and the journey you've had thus far. It's like so amazing that I get to honor you on She's All Over the Place because this is exactly like why I wanted to connect on all these different levels because this is the moment. That's what it is. So thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for creating this space and and you know, reaching out and really highlighting these stories. It's really wonderful that you are doing that. So I really appreciate being here.
0: Definitely my pleasure. And we'll have you back on. I mean, definitely. Well, probably we have a lot of stories to tell more stories to tell So many stories. Yeah, yeah. So Oh, wait, how can people find you? Like, where can they find you? where
1: can they find me? I'm on Instagram. I'm not the biggest tweeter. I'm at Insta on Instagram. My Twitter is pretty bare, but I'm also on Twitter as Chloe Afari. And I definitely urge people to go to brightlive.com as well and check out what we are working on and building. It is super exciting.
0: Great. And everything will be in the show notes 1000%. And Chloe, you're about to become like a Twitter boss, because I'm (laughs) going to give you like so many people to follow. So you can be in the Twitter spaces. Please,
1: Yes, I would love that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's gonna be great. I love it. And with your lightning speed mentality and your ambitious spirit and your spearhead of a go getter, you're going to be bossing in the Web3 community. Like, you know, all the ladies are gonna love you. They're gonna be like following your lead. It's it's gonna be so good. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. To honor you and be a part of your journey and to witness it. It's a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Okay, so honing in to wrap it up, you know, uh, a book or two you recommend that really touches your soul that comes to you that you want to share with the person tuning in or watching?
1: So it's interesting because you mentioned it earlier. The Four Agreements is one of my absolute favorite books. I live by it. I remind myself every day about those agreements, especially do not take anything personally and be impeccable with your word. That's always been, those are, Are like my two that are have been just super important to me. I think everyone needs to read that book. I actually recently finished the Bob Iger book that was awesome. I think there were a ton of great lessons in there. I really recommend that one as well.
0: Okay, I'll check it out. Definitely. Very cool.
1: Ride of a Lifetime was that
0: book. Okay. Got it. Uh okay. And then do you have overdrive or no? No. So I tell um people this all the time, nonstop. I'm a walking, talking billboard for Overdrive, but it's an app, Overdrive. You can download up to 30 audiobooks per month for free because like education is like obviously so important. Oh wow. That's amazing. And like, you know, you can download it before you get on a flight if you don't have Wi Fi or if you're at the beach relaxing. You know, you can just like listen to audiobooks. And I love reading, obviously, like books in my hand, not off a screen, but you can do the ebooks. I don't care to read. If I'm gonna read it, I like the book in my hand. Yeah. But um, I love audio because I I just like need to like you, like you need to feed your soul. So sometimes I just want to be like taking a jacuzzi or something, just like listening to something. So yeah, with that being said, are there like, you know, one or two other uh, gems, uh, words of departing uh, wisdom that you want to share with someone who's new on their journey on their journey? I think one of my favorite quotes
1: is trust the timing of your life. And I think That it's so important to just really chill out sometimes and just trust that what you're doing now is important. And don't worry about all the things that you want to achieve, which, by the way, my list is from here to two streets away of all the things that I want to achieve that I have not yet, but every step matters. Even the tasks that I didn't want to do and the jobs that I didn't want to take were what led me to where I am now. And these are the things that will lead me to where eventually I will get. And so really just trust the process, trust the journey, trust your timing. And not every day is exciting. So the minute something is not exciting, don't decide it's time to pivot. I definitely did that. But I think,
0: (laughs) you know, (laughs) I I would say
1: something that I really learned is that sometimes work is just hard work. And I think this is something I learned from Bob Iger's book is that sometimes the mundane parts of the job or parts of work are what you need to focus on. And if you can just crush your day, even all the mundane little things that are not exciting, those are what will get you to where you want to go.
0: Yes, that's a great omen. And I've been noticing that on my process right now, like doing those mundane things have actually for me built this synergy and energy in multiple ways, including financial wealth, where it's like when I was focusing on those things, those other things filled in those spots. So yeah, I love love that. And I'm gonna get that book tonight. I'm gonna download it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We are good to go. Uh, Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into She's All Over the Place. This has been an impeccable episode near and dear to my heart in so many ways. And, uh, you know, uh, if you're not subscribing to the podcast, please subscribe. And I just want to say if you are, it's because of you that we're here right now. You keep me going and growing in such magnificent ways. We are in the top 1.5% of all podcasts. That is very exciting. Building something from the IP from the ground up like Chloe did. And you were able to hear nuggets and gems of her story. And I am so moved. Thank you so much for subscribing. We are a part of the Ripple Effect. So sharing this with one person, your mom, your dad, a sibling, a friend, like re-listening to it. Like take, I hope you are taking some great notes. You know, definitely share this with your communities on Facebook or wherever your communities are. Share this with the people. We need to hear it. And you know, kindness needs to be louder. You know, this educational stuff needs to be louder in such a way. Chloe needs to get louder, not dim her light. She's a beacon of light. And she needs to be louder and louder, like massively like the ocean. And so do you. There's so much drama and chaos out there. And that's fun. But let's keep it for the movies. You know what I mean? Like, let's keep it into our craft and things of that nature. You know, if we don't have friendship, we have nothing. One thousand percent. So thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place. Uh, Follow the podcast. Follow me. Get in touch with Chloe. And uh, we love you. We'll see you again. Ciao. Bye, Chloe. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out.